0: No fans are going to be allowed at the Saints Week 1 game against the Buccaneers. So there's a couple more now saying we're not going to do this, uh, fans that is. But then on the flip side, America's team, Jerry Jones, he says they have plans to play in front of fans in 2020. That AT&T Stadium will be 50% full, and they're going to go through with it. I think Jerry Jones is the last holdout of having fans in the stands Didn't in the NFL. he have
1: some comments about ventilation systems that they had in place? Yeah. I'm he serious. Did. He he, he, did. he had comments about how that would keep people safe.
2: I thought he even
0: talked about not send it, sending out tickets. No, stuff. they're not doing season tickets in 2020, but they're still going to have fans in the stands. Okay. Gotcha. So, so they did cancel season tickets for 2020, but Jerry Jones, owner Jerry Jones made it clear that they will have fans in the stand.
1: <laughs> See, I just thought it was funny because he mentioned some ventilation system that, RJ, that would help keep people safe. Yeah. But then I was remembering, do you remember when all the COVID stuff started where the people were, like, stuck on those cruise ships? Yeah. Right, like, right at the beginning? Do you remember they were complaining because they said the ventilation system helped spread it? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting the ships. But again, science changes every other day these days, so I don't know what to believe.
0: Well, when it first started, the, the, the Surgeon General came out and said, people, don't buy masks. They don't do anything. That's what the Surgeon General tweeted out. And then, obviously, like a month later, he said, oh, I was wrong on that. Just like when Fauci was on 60 Minutes and said masks are pointless. Then a month later, he said, actually, go
1: wear them. Where where is Fauci Ben? I haven't seen him like out in front of anyone the last since last th- time I saw was that the first, first pitch. <laughs> pitch. And if that was me, I probably wouldn't show my face either. <laughs> oh. How can anyone throw a baseball that bad?
0: Did you know Ask that fifty cent? Yeah, which one was worse? Uh, we had a poll on that. Which one was worse? Fifty cent or Doctor Fauci's? I think fifty cent one for worst first pitch. An able-bodied athletic man yeah. versus uh, almost. Are you saying that? Doctor. Are you saying the Fauci isn't an able-bodied man?
1: saying he's much older than uh, 50 Cent was. 50 Cent had some distance on his, though. It was and just, he was on he the mound, wasn't really count He was on the you, mound, wasn't he? When he he? you it was... throw it to, like, first base. Yeah, he at least, not, he not, least not, got it past. I'm not sticking up for 50 Cent. The, <laughs> the pitch was awful. I'm just saying that at least there was some velocity and distance behind it. <laughs> yeah. Fauci's basically went straight into the ground.
0: Yeah, Fauci's went, like, two feet into the, in front of him to the ground, and it was... <laughs> Okay, let's be honest, though. You look at Dr. Fauci, and you immediately think, noodle arm. You look at 50 Cent, and you're like, okay, this guy could probably pipe it in. 50 Cent, I'm watching this video right now. He stood on the mound, and he at least got it. Now, I know it didn't get to the catcher, but he got it past the catcher if it would have went straight. Fauci was not on the mound. He was, like, in front of the mound, and it went two feet in front of him. It's
1: it's actually pretty funny because, like you just said, a lot of people, if you looked at 50 Cent, you'd think he'd be able to really fire it in there. Yeah, But... But from experience <laughs> when you have some guys that are just extremely muscle bound, they don't throw very they hard and no. they don't throw very well. No.
0: And listen, they're both terrible pitches. Scott, you'd be able to pipe it in, wouldn't you?
2: Well, you you haven't uh seen me pitch. I, I played slow pitch. Good morning, guys.
0: Hey, good morning, good morning Scott.
2: Scott. Love you guys. Much love. Hey. First of all, even I have Nelson a,
0: won't say it, but he knows. He knows deep down he loves you. I
2: have a uh, bad shoulder. My what? right, my right pitching arm. I, uh, yeah. little rotator cup in, in my absin.
0: Well, oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's because you've been quarantined since early March and you've uh, haven't been able to see anybody. You
2: know what I'm yeah, well, that would do it too. <laughs> okay, uh, RJ, how you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good, Scott. How are you? Good. Good. Do you ever have dumb moments around your house where you think you can fix something? And you go to the You're far extreme up. or you go to the far extremes, and then you realize that there was an easy way to do it, like three days later
1: I haven't gotten to that point on
3: anything yet, but
2: i have, I assume uh, i will well i have a I have one of those floor fans the, the base fans. The problem is because the age is the the base is the won't so for two and a half days, I started using duct tape and everything I could think of makes sense. To this. Okay. Scott, duct tape didn't work? No, it didn't. Do you not watch the Red Green Show? Works on everything.
0: If women don't find you handsome, at least they can find you handy with some duct tape, Scott. It works for everything.
2: Well, I didn't work on this. You need to go but, watch the Red Green Show and get
0: boned up on how to use duct tape.
2: So so finally, I came up with the idea of taking two heavy boxes and putting them on the side. <laughs> it worked. But did did said, you
0: duct tape the boxes
2: onto it? never thought of that.
0: Well, there you go, Scott. Again, that, if the women don't find you handsome, they can at least find you handy. A
2: friend of mine is a IT engineer, and I, I was fixing something a while back, and the, he says to me, he says, he started talking geek. You know what I mean by geek? It's like like yeah, like, this, like,
0: Yeah, I think uh, over here your uh, rotary garter should have been plugged into your uh, plastic yes, engineer.
2: Yes. Well, the thing is, is, he he knows I don't understand that. So at 9.30 at night, I'm calling him, and he says, why are you trying to fix this at 9.30 at night? And I said, I have no idea. So the next morning, it was fine. So my point <laughs> is, yeah, That's I, I think. Well, my point is, when you get older, you get stubborn. And what happens is people tell you the obvious answers. And you don't want to listen. Yeah, and what's worse is, and you think I just spent three years days of my life doing absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, well, you know. We're only living to die, Scott. We're just yeah. one foot closer to the grave, one inch closer to the grave every time, every minute.
2: Who did the song that was yesterday? Oof! That was yesterday. That's but yesterday's uh, ooh, gone. That's foreigner. Very good. Tush. Z Z top. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're so vain. Carly, Carly Simon. Simon. Very good. Coming up.
1: Ooh, coming
2: up. Yeah, Paul McCartney. Very that, good. Wow, well oh.
1: done, RJ. I was going to say like wings, but well
2: done. So, well, it was, yeah, it was solo actually. Oh, well, actually. Tough Enough.
1: Tough Enough. Uh,
2: CC Music Factory. Was it No, no it's Thunderbirds was, or something? Uh, yeah. The fa- Fabulous Thunderbirds. Yeah, ah, there you go. Dogs and Butterfly. Ooh, I don't know. Well, hold on. Dogs oh. and Butterflies? Came out in the early 70s. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever heard. No idea. Two females. Is that the the name of the band? Pointer no. Sisters. No, uh Heart. Three. <laughs>
0: Heart. <Damn. laughs> Dude,
2: Heart. Heart? Okay, cool. Okay. Upside Down. Um oh I know this one. That's um A Motown Legend. Uh,
0: I was thinking of the Jack Johnson one when he said the
2: Motown Legend. I don't know, Scott, who? Diana Ross. Oh, uh-huh. damn it. I hate myself for loving you. Joan Jett? You got it. Yes. Long and winding road.
1: George Harrison.
2: Well... The Beatles. The B-S. Beatles. Beatles. I love you. Oh, I love you
0: too, Scott. Even Nelson won't say it, but he loves you too. That's the
2: Beatles. The Beatles. The Beatles. Well, guys, have a good day. And the, the moral of the story is sometimes you have to listen to somebody the oh, first Scott, time. Scott, the
0: moral of the story is use duct tape correctly.
2: Unless you run out. Let's we'll just go buy some more. See you, buddy. Have a good day, bud. Adios, Scott. Much love. Gorilla tape. I was
0: just gonna say that. I'm like duct tape. Let's ramp it up to gorilla tape. All right. So Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboys. They they canceled the season tickets, but they said we are going to have fans in our stands right now. Uh, the Texas Governor Greg Abbott has uh, it uh, operating standard to a maximum of fifty percent capacity uh, for businesses down there, including the AT and T Stadium. So when you look at – is this something the NFL is like going to have to step in to say you can't do this, or is it, hey, it's up to the local government. I know every other team in the NFL right now is not going to have fans in their stands, but the Dallas Cowboys have at it. Like, Does the NFL have to – does it matter? Does there have to be an equal playing field for everyone in, in COVID-19 land, or is this just – doesn't sound like it. Or is this just, hey, this, this is what it is?
1: I don't think so. I mean, this isn't like a governing body like the NCAA. This is a – Private company and organization, well, the NCAA NFL. They didn't do anything about it. They can kind yeah. of do whatever they want.
0: Yeah, that's and
1: I mean, it's a private corporation. Isn't that kind yeah. of
0: what the NFL said? These like just going to be, we're going to leave it up to the local officials and the and the organizations themselves. The NFL is listen. The NFL wants money. It's, it's not like has the, the NFL, NFL made a statement on it about having fans in the stands. Yeah. I think just just individual teams have. I haven't heard the NFL. Yeah. I think the NFL just made a statement a couple of months ago saying it's going to be up to the organization. If
1: a, if a team like Dallas could get fans in the stands and make money from it, I don't think the NFL will be upset from that.
0: No. No. And uh, I remember when everyone started, like the Packers sent their letter out saying there's going to be at, at minimum two games, no fans in the stands, then they'll reevaluate. Then you saw like... Before that, the Jets and the Giants said no fans in the stands. The health officials in Philadelphia said no fans in the stands for the Eagles or the Phillies. You had now the Saints have no fans in the stands. When this was all coming out, everyone was like, "All right, there's only a couple teams remaining that haven't said anything." And then eventually, it's well, it's just the Dallas Cowboys that haven't said anything, and people were getting upset that the Jerry Jones and the Cowboys weren't having fans in the stands. Well, now you get your answer. Jerry Jones says. We're going to have fans in the stands. We're
2: doing it. We're having fans. Would you go? No.
1: Uh, Rowdy? If I lived in Dallas? Yeah. I would probably go. I I also would go. I, I just wouldn't go because, I mean, if honestly, I lived- pro games,
0: game day experience, not fun. I don't know if you're going to be able to tailgate or anything, but I would say if I lived in Dallas, I was around the area, and I was a diehard Cowboys fan.
1: Or... Die hard Mike McCarthy fan
0: so if I just lived in Dallas I would go I I personally would go I would do it rowdy you would do it RJ you'd, you'd pass nah I,
3: I like for pro games I'm just not your much not your happier cup of tea. being at home like
1: I I mean have having been same to I also a, enjoy a being at home Green Bay game you know that's more like a college style atmosphere but you go to like other stadiums and it's stale
0: I do. I've never been to a professional football game outside of Lambo. I've, I've been to Lambo millions of times. I've never been to a game that I can, yeah, I've never been to a game that wasn't at Lambo Field.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you?
2: I won.
0: What about you, Rowdy?
1: Just Lambo yeah, I've just
0: been to Lambo, yeah, and it's an awesome experience. I love there's nothing better than walking up to Lambo and like feeling the history just hit you mm-hmm. as you're walking up and then um the sitting in the bleachers that's it's <laughs> always it's always an adventure sitting in the bleachers, but if I honestly would go I would go to a game, I would be safe and smart about it per usual though it's not like before covid-19 I was off licking door handles and coughing in people's faces and if yes, you were and uh you know scooting my ass on the bathroom floor or something like I was a dog or a cat <laughs> but yeah worms people treat you like people treat each other now like they're they're idiots and they don't know how to wash their hands you know and and, and know how to properly socially like I've done that my whole life <laughs> before we talk about how difficult it's going to be for Brian Goodwinson and whatnot i see the dallas cowboys they they signed, they signed the guy that I wanted the Packers on, Everson Griffin. It was like one year, six million dollars? Could the Packers not have done that?
3: Oh no, the cap room was there. It, it, again, Evo, I, I scratch my head, and I, I've, I've done this since Ted Thompson took over as general manager, and, and, and every year we get to August, and there's a handful of guys sitting on the street, and their price is absolutely plummeted from what you thought it would have been back in March when unrestricted free agency begins, and Griffin is one of those guys this year, you know, Clowney's one of these guys whose, whose market value absolutely plummeted. Uh, you know, Jadavious from, from the Texans then to Seattle. And I mean, Evo, they're, I think I'd have to look at the number. I think the last time I looked, it was right around 11, that they were under the cap. And, um, you know, I, I, I totally get that there's uncertainty for the future. Nobody knows what next year's salary cap is going to look like based on how this year plays itself out. And, I mean, think it's going to be these remarkable revenue losses, like like you mentioned earlier, with no fans in the stands, and um, you know what, whether this cap drops dramatically in in 2021 or they spread it out over a 10-year period or something like that. I, I think we all know that the 200, the 205 or 210 million dollar salary cap that we were anticipating is probably not going to happen. Um, it's going to make it tougher for them to sign guys like Bockyari and Kenny Clark and. Some of the people we've talked about before that are going to be uh, the Aaron Joneses in the world that are going to be up after after this season, but you know specifically the twenty twenty evil man. You you want to go and look at holes. I I think defensive end still ranks among the yeah. most blatant on that team. They're gonna they're gonna try to patch it together this year with I I guess the the trio of, of Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster and another year of Montrevious Adams and. You know, we've seen how that's gone the first two years with Adams. Kiki did virtually nothing as a rookie. You know, I think he played about 5 or 6% of the snaps. And 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 then you're talking Tyler Lancaster, an undrafted kid who, who tries hard. But let's be honest, he, he, he's overmatched on a lot of Sundays, just popping the tape of the 49er NFC Championship game. So I know Griffin would have made, to me, evil, perfect sense. I, I know there's some character things and some, some other issues that there always are with, with some of these guys that are still floating around in August you've got some issues and some questions on them. Otherwise, they would have been gobbled up in March. But but this is a guy, I think, that would have made some real sense for that defense.
0: Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now, com. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Rob Reichel. Robbie, all right, so obviously I don't have to remind you or anyone else about COVID-19 and what it's doing to life as we know it, making a lot of things difficult. Speaking of difficult, Brian Gutekunst, Since the Big Ten, there's no football. Pac-12, there's no football. They might go to spring. At the SEC, the ACC, the Big Twelve, still moving forward as of right now. What the if there's a football season, college football season in spring? What the hell's going to happen with the draft, and how's that going to affect Brian Gutekunst?
3: Well, it's going to make his life really, really hard, isn't it? I mean, maybe we'll maybe we'll have a draft in April, even where the only people we see drafted are kids from the SEC. The the Big 12 and the ACC, and and, and I'm kidding there, obviously, but it's going to be. lot to be honest, people, I mean, unless something, I mean, I, I think honestly, people, unless there's a death or something that dramatic, the SEC is going to play football.
4: Yeah,
3: um, and that's just how they roll. And and I think the ACC and the Big 12 are, are going to stay stay in this poker game as long as the SEC is in the game. And and so you're going to have those three conferences. Um, I think certainly give it a go to play football. Whether they finish or not is, is going to be another story. But let's just say they play football now, Evo, and, and those kids in on, on those random teams, and you know, the, the kids from Virginia and the ACC, right? And and the kids at Mississippi State. Um, and, and you know, the, the kids that today, Evo, we don't know a lot about, right? The the Zach Bonds from a year ago, the Mark Kauschers from, from 2000. Um, and there's always, Evo, there's about 250. Kids a year that get drafted and about a hundred of those kids i think are just not you know not not draft in all likelihood not going to be drafted when their junior season ends and they have big senior years and they play their way into the seventh round or the fourth round and you know or they at least play their way into a camp somewhere evil that that's what these big 10 kids are going to miss out on that's what these pac 12 kids are going to miss out on um, it, specifically to brian goodcoms if these other three power five conferences evil put together a full season and you get a bunch of those kids that I'm just talking about there that played their way up draft board their final year in college um, they are far more likely to get drafted and, and wind up on an NFL roster than these kids um, who are sitting the year out you know T.J. Watt J.J. Watt came out of nowhere right there it was their junior year. They would have had a senior year, but there are kids every single year that you had not heard about uh, around here. We obviously hear about the Badgers, but nationwide, uh, that these scouts that are just—they they are not—they are not on the forefront of scouts' radars, Evo. And and that's uh, that—that's going to be really detrimental to the big to the Big Ten and the Pac-12 kids. It's going to make it's going to make all 32 general managers' jobs harder, Evo. But I think because a lot of these guys, at the end of the day, um, you know, they're, they're working on shorter contracts. Their lifespan as GMs are, are maybe not as long. They're on the bubble themselves. They're going to take the safe pick. They're, they're going to they're draft the players, evil that, that they watched play in 2020, not the ones that they watched in 2019, and they said, man, this kid's got a lot of upside. I, I hope it pans out for him next year. Um, and, and it's going to be harder, but you're going to obviously, Evo, at the end of the day, see see the kids that get drafted um, are, are going to be largely from those three conferences if they go ahead and play football.
0: Yeah, Rob, it's going to be interesting, to, to say the least. You're going to have to rely on a lot of connections and a lot of you know word of mouth and a lot of character, I guess, right? I mean, you're going to have to – this is – I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen. Uh, but how about this, Rob? We got the hopefully the season's going to be underway for the NFL or they haven't said anything otherwise. But one thing that concerns me is no preseason games, very late to the party when it comes to getting ready for the season. The Packers haven't even had a practice yet. Their first one's going to be on Saturday. And then Brian Gutekunst has to get his roster down. He's got to make some cuts. How tough is that for Brian Gutekunst? Not the draft upcoming, just the immediate future in the next couple days.
3: Yeah, no, no, no question. It's going to be harder. But, but same thing I kind of mentioned about, you know, the college stuff, Evo, the, the guys who you are most familiar with. Familiarity is going to win the day here. Um, there are always two, three guys every summer in Green Bay that come out of nowhere and make that final 53 man roster. Um, you, you may not see that or you won't certainly see as many um this year Ted Thompson loved to keep three or four undrafted free agents every single summer um and, and 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 hope it wound up working for the best and a lot of times it did I mean the Sam Shields of the world Tremont Williams was an undrafted guy I mean some of these some of these guys really do wind up panning out and 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 they make their move and they kind of make their pay in the summer evil and, and and all these young guys that are that have come into Green Bay now, um, the undrafted guys, the guys that you know, let's let's just say the bottom twenty on the roster, or, you know, who, who are really hoping to make a splash in training camp, and then in those preseason games and under the lights at Family Night, they are not going to have the same opportunity clearly that they've they've had in past years. Now, Matt Lafleur has talked about installing post-practice kind of drills mm-hmm. and um, simulated kind of game activity for some of these guys to get those chances. But, but Evo, I mean, the practice squad is larger this year It's 16. There's 53 on the active roster. There's 16 on the practice squad. So they'll be able to keep more people than they have. That, that's six more than a normal year, Evo, when they, when the practice squad was 10. So he'll, he'll be able to go a little deeper with the practice squad. And, and, and I, I kind of think Evo, he'll, he'll play that roster during the course of the year, almost, almost like the Brewers do with their lineup and shuffle guys. You know, in and out and around that forty-man roster that that Sterns maneuvers so so well um, and, and always has since, since he took over as general manager. I I think you could see Goodenkoons doing some of that stuff on a week-to-week basis. You know, based on matchups, not just injuries. And um, but in terms of putting together that that final roster, Evo, mm-hmm. it is going to be far more difficult. I, I think the guys that again that have been in Green Bay that, that have a that have a history with the Packers that that have been, Solid players that might have been on the bubble coming into the season. I think those guys are going to be safe, and it's going to be a lot tougher for a young guy coming out of nowhere to pass those
0: people. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now. Rob, you're talking about you know familiarity winning the day when it comes to a lot of these things. Well, I'm looking at Forbes.com, and I'm looking at a Rob Reichel article article here, which is incredible per usual. And it says <laughs> Packers by position, right tackle remains the biggest question up front. And then you list all of the Hall of Famers, you know, all of the legacies that has been there for right tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Well, isn't that the biggest question on the line now for the Packers? What are we gonna see coming up?
3: Yeah, that's gonna be probably the most fascinating part to watch in training camp. And again, I don't know if the fans will in the area know that either, but that they'll get it going on Saturday. No no fans this year. You know, obviously at Lambo due to due to COVID, but um, they'll get it going on Saturday, Sunday's an off-day, they hope to go Monday, um, and enroll in the next week. The, there's no question, though, Evo, and, and, and it's going to be unfortunate, but there's only going to be about, I don't know, 5, 10 media people a day.
0: Allowed yeah, to- Robbie, real quick, sorry to interrupt you, aren't they having it? So no, there's no fans for practice, but the media is allowed in now, but you have to get, like, special clearance, and then they put you in socially distant seats? Like, is that what they're doing? I think that's what uh, our sports director, Zach, told me.
3: Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. And, and are going to, you know, on, I, I would say evil on an average day in, in, Green Bay in the, in the summer. There's the better part of hundred media members. You're talking TV, radio, print journalism, internet guys, and, and all the Packers.com guys. You know, you, you, there are days you might be in excess of 101 national guys, um, around the scene. And, and I, it, it, it appears it'll be maybe in the range of, of five, maybe 10 a day. You, you've got to kind of request. Uh, a couple days ahead of time, right now, Evo. They're going to rotate it from media outlets. So, you know, I I used to just kind of go over Evo any day I, you know, any day and any time I wanted, whatever fit the schedule, and, and that that would be a huge part of my summer. I take a take a couple weeks and obviously go to training camp and um, uh, on a daily basis. That won't be the case this year. Even if you want to go three, four, five, six days in a row. Um, you you might go one of those days this particular year. And, and I get it. That's the world we're living in. Yeah. There's going to have to be a lot more shared information with, with journalists and pool reporters and, and things like that. I mean, the fan base is going to obviously be itching and, and going crazy to find out every nugget they can find out. And there's going to be a lot less eyes and a lot less bodies, you know, in, in inside Packer facilities and, and inside the practice field reporting back on that. And for now, Evo, everything is still Zoom calls and no locker room access and and things like that. And 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 I get it. That that again, that that's the world we're in. But um, it, it's definitely going to be a bizarro world kind of year uh, to to cover the Green Bay Packers. But real quick, back to your yeah, to your question on right tackle. I, I think that's that's what everybody is going to be watching closely. I I think Green Bay's got a couple of really interesting options if Ricky Wagner doesn't work out. And and right now, to me, Evo, you know he the free agent signing from Detroit. Uh, An ex badger fifth-round draft pick by Baltimore, signed a big deal with Detroit. Uh, His play with the Lions really started to slip a year ago, and the Lions released him this offseason. The Packers signed him to replace Brian Balaga. I think it's 50-50 that that works out. Evo, if it doesn't, I think Billy Turner's got a chance to probably be a better right tackle than he was a right guard, and Lane Taylor is waiting there to play right guard. So it's going to be fascinating, really, Evo, to watch so well, the right side of that line plays itself out. Um, if, if, if they struggle over there uh, on that side, it, it's going to be very problematic for a quarterback who's getting up there in years. If they get that solved, though, Evo, the left side of the line is terrific. I mean, the Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins combo I think is as good as any on the left side. In football, Corey Lindley's in a contract year. Um, he's a top-eight center in the NFL. So you're, you're completely set, Evo, at those other three positions. Green Bay's just got to get the right side of that line
0: fit. Rob, I can't wait for it to um, all unfold. You know, let's give me some kind of entertainment. But before I let you go, buddy, and we love watching and uh, following along, Twitter, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com as well. Rob, can we've been trying to figure it out. We can't quite get to it. How does Iowa Hawkeyes not play football, but um, about two hours down the road, Iowa State can? Have you
3: figured that out yet? It's all leadership at the top, isn't it, Evo? it all comes back to conferences and conference commissioners. And and you know, hey, Iowa had a remarkable summer, didn't they? With on, on the prep level, I, I think 94 percent of their the sports that they played were, were uninterrupted. They they got they got all their stuff in yeah. you know, from a high school perspective. I mean, I think I think through the Midwest, they've been a model for a lot of a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the various organizations that lead high school branches through the Midwest. So, I mean, the, the numbers in Iowa, I think, Evo, you know, I'd have to go check, but I've, I've, I'm pretty sure that they're, they're, they're very low. And, you know, I again, it, it comes back to decisions on the top. Iowa's obviously locked in, you know, with a commissioner that, that elected not to go forward, and was doing the opposite. So, yeah, it's... It, it, it's certainly interesting, though, Evo. Let's, let's just stay with that oh, word for now. Evo. Very
0: interesting, Rob. We yeah, appreciate yeah. your time, Robbie. Glad you could join us an hour earlier today. Always love you on these airwaves. You have a good day, buddy.
3: I appreciate you sticking me in early. Have a <laughs> see, good day. See, see you, you, Robbie. Bye.
0: There he is, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Rob Reichel. 12-2. It was over in the second inning. Eric Lauer got just tuned up. Rob, do you want to do me a favor? Because you grabbed the phone. I don't want it to be Charlie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but real quick, you yeah. were talking about how the brewers just got absolutely smoked and no doubt when it's 12 to nothing at one point but uh yeah i was trying to stream it
0: you missed all the because i i well, now the have the, the ability
1: yeah i now have the ability to stream it on fox sports go yeah. app but then again we've talked about this quite a bit my internet connection's normally not the fastest so it's hit or miss when i'm going to get a good stream
0: yeah you're the product of country blumpkin
1: i didn't get a good stream until about the 6th inning but Let's just say I was all right with the stream hey, being slow last night.
0: Come the sixth inning, though, the Brewers got two runs. They got two on the board, baby. So you tuned in right at the right time, I guess, for the Brewers when uh, Uriah singled the left and uh, what, Sogard, Sogard started it off with, uh, what, he hit a double, I think. And It was, uh, for some reason, I watched the whole game. I usually try to watch oh, the whole game, even if it isn't a huge blowout. You know the white flag has been waved when you see Orlando Arcia in center field. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I knew it was Charlie. When you got Orlando Arcia in center field, there's the white flag. Or I know it was. Or would maybe, you say
1: that or Jed Jerko pitching?
0: Well, I was gonna say Jed Jerko pitching in the ninth, but that's the ninth inning. Brewers were down twelve to two. The the, the flag was already waved. But what what is more? I mean, I scratching it, you. Jed Jericho <laughs> pitching Orlando Arcea in center field.
1: Orlando Arcea in center field. <laughs> because from following Orlando Arcea's career since he was probably about 19 ish, mm-hmm. I, I can't think or remember a time where he wasn't anywhere besides second base or shortstop. And obviously, primarily shortstop.
0: Hey, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see. Jed Jericho, though. Not the second best, yeah, Jed Jerko, the second best Brewers pitcher of the night. Brent Suter in one inning of work gave up nothing and struck out one. Jed Jerko only gave up one hit. Other than that, let's see, Canable oh, gave up only one hit when he struck out two. So I guess Jerko was the third best.
1: So if if we're going to look at, because you bring up Arcia, we talked about Jerko. If you want to look at what that Brewers team looked like defensively towards the end of the game you have to know they're waving the white flag and just being like well we want to get Urias some at bats we want to get Garcia some at bats we want to get some of these guys some at bats because they haven't you know we want to see what they are there's still some of these young players it's a weird 60 game season this game is obviously over yeah let's just get some of these guys at bats (laughs) when when you're already playing with obviously Garcia in center field (laughs) You're not, playing you, with, you're not playing with the same defensive uh skills and oh ability well, that's that what, you have yeah. when you have a gold glove caliber, Lorenzo Kane in center field, a veteran in center field. Obviously, we've seen that obviously Garcia's range is nowhere near no. that of Lorenzo Kane. Now, does he have a good arm? Yes. But he doesn't have the speed, he doesn't have the the range, and he just isn't as good of a fielder. Now no, he's not. Now we're talking about a guy that primarily plays shortstop <laughs> is now playing center field. <laughs> you also brought in Brock Holt and yep. moved him to left field. So now he's playing corner outfield a spot that he can play, but he, he would be more comfortable at second, short third base. He can play corners, but it's probably the least comfortable you'd be having him play a position. You also you also uh, had Jerko pitching, and Narvaez was catching, who was the worst defensive catcher based on metrics last season in the big leagues and was brought in to hit, which he still has yet, yet to, to do. That was Manny Pena's hitting. That was the scariest defensive team probably assembled in a while for the Milwaukee Brewers with liabilities all over the field. But you're down 12 to nothing, and it really can't get much worse. Well,
0: it, I mean, it got... <laughs> The reason why the floodgates opened in the second inning was because of now they didn't they didn't market an error. It was considered a hit, but Avisal Garcia in center field, there were two outs. It was 0 0 with two outs. Eric Lauer, it was an okay pitch. Um, and then it, it was this like little blooper out in the shallow center field. And Avisal Garcia got a late jump on it. And was trying his darndest to run as fast as he could to get it. But when you're 6'4 and 250 pounds, and when you got a little extra weight, you're not going to be running as quick as, like, a Lorenzo Kane out there. Avisal Garcia mm, tried to get to this ball. It just touched the tip of his glove, and he missed it. And that's what started the floodgates to open and the, allowed the Twins to score five runs in the second inning, all with an Avisal Garcia lazy little run
1: with this 250-pounder trying to get chased down this ball. Many, many moons ago when Avisel Garcia was coming up from the minor leagues as a, as a young, in his early 20s with the Tigers, yeah, he was always that big frame. <laughs> you know what his nickname was? Fatty. No, no, no. Not fatty. I mean, he was a 21, 22-year-old kid that had a bunch of promise, like slugger, this guy could be the next thing. Do you remember who the Tigers would Badon? have had that was in their prime at that time? Oh, was Miguel he Miguel uh, Cabrera? Was, yeah. Was he Miggy Jr.? He was nicknamed Baby Miggy. Baby Miggy, there you when go. Is the, when would you ever want <laughs> any guy with the nickname Baby Miggy playing center field for you?
0: Never. <laughs> Maybe first base, but my God, what's uh? Yeah, because, okay, Mig- Miggy is 6'4, same as Avisal Garcia, and he's 240. Avisal Garcia, like I just said, 6'4, 250. Got a little poundage on him. 10, he's got 10 on him, Rowdy. But Avisal Garcia was not the biggest dude. Avisal Garcia is usually the biggest guy in the field. Last night, though, it was from the Twins. M- Miguelson, no. 6'4, same as Avisal Garcia, but 272 pounds. That, my friend, is a big boy. And, <laughs> and he crushed it last night. He crushed a homer last night. He
1: came up, obviously, as an outfielder, but not a center fielder. <laughs> a corner outfielder where you don't have to have that much range, and especially if you have a nice arm, which he does, yeah. you can stick, especially like in a left field, or if you have a good arm, a right field. You don't have to be the greatest outfielder when your prowess is coming up is to be a phenomenal hitter.
0: And, boy, he bashed one last night. And
1: he played pretty much his whole career until signing with the Brewers in the AL where he can also DH. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, so no, just bat 442. It was a blazing one on a Miller Park. But then who had the biggest home run last night? Was it, who was it, Soto?
1: Juan Soto hit a bomb.
0: What would he hit, like 470-something?
1: It was, it was like around 470. Woo! It was a upper... Woo! To the to the very top of the upper deck.
0: It was a towering shot. It was wild. But, um, Soto, whatever. Back to the Brewers, though. The biggest guy on the field, though. It wasn't, it wasn't Avisal Garcia. It wasn't Sano. It was the umpire, the home plate umpire. The dude was six, or is, six, seven. And they're joking around the broadcast. Yeah, he's a high fastball kind of guy. Lex his high, fastball strikes. And then, dude, 6'7"? Remember when we had that manager dust up a little bit ago, like a couple weeks ago? I think it was, was it the Where they Pir- both
1: had to take out their masks?
0: That was the guy. The Can you imagine being like a little a smaller manager and you got to go argue with a guy who's 6'7"?
1: <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet a guy like Earl Weaver wouldn't have stood down to him even no. though he'd be about a foot shorter. Yeah,
0: he'd tear him up.
1: Tear him up. He'd look right into his chest and he'd poke into his belly button.
0: Roddy, what is it with, um? this is what one thing I love about baseball, is you can be like a uh, Avisel Garcia, you can be a Sano, you can be, he's 6'4", 272, Sano, and you're a professional athlete. Where are you going to get that besides maybe on the offensive or defensive line for a football team? You can just be some huge individual, and you're out there just
1: balling in your own way. Well, I mean, it's all about hand-eye coordination. Right. These guys are they know how to get that food from no, the plate e- to their mouth even if they're 6'4" 240 their hand eye coordination is
0: is that's what makes world them a pro class. yeah that's what makes them a pro
1: like y- you can almost eliminate yourself from being a major league baseball player if you just don't even have the eye vision
0: yeah i'll got to look up the heaviest ml major league baseball players ever
1: now i'm not i'm not saying that uh, you're there's no chance you can be a major league baseball player if your your vision's not twenty twenty or better, mm-hmm. but but the average major league baseball player's vision is twenty twelve,
0: that's insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like eagles. Yeah, they're like
0: hawks. That's nuts. How do you how do you do that? Is this you're blessed with good genes. You eat a lot of carrots. Like what's the what is it?
1: It's why you have. As a human being, you have world-class talents.
0: (laughs) And that hand-eye coordination is a thing of beauty. You
1: must have hand-eye coordination. You must have great vision. and An arm. And just think if you're like a big boy like some of these guys, just
0: think how much better you got to be just because you're just huge, but you can mash the ball. That's why if you're a big guy that's not a DH, like, I mean, in years past, obviously because there's the universal DH now, if you were a big boy in the NL, the fact that you were a professional athlete and you still had to play the field was pre- <laughs> was pretty impressive. What do you like more, the fat first baseman or the fat pitcher?
1: Oh, fat pitcher for sure.
0: All day. All day.
1: Bartolo Colon. My man. Is he still looking for a job? I think so.
0: I still want the Brewers to get him. And then to get you something. Yeah, the big, sexy Bartolo Colon is a professional baseball pitcher for Arceros de Mongrova of the Mexican League. That was his last stop. He's got two he got he has two families to support. We got to get that guy back to the Bigs Rowdy.
1: I think it's all over for Big Sexy.
0: You think so? Yeah, he signed February 14th, 2020 in Mexico.
1: At age 47, I think it's all over. He's
0: got a lot of miles to feed Rowdy and his own. You think you think that a guy that's going to be unemployed is going to keep that Big Sexy nickname, moniker without getting any revenue money flowing in? Boys boy's got to play. You got to eat. Man's got to eat. All and right, 608-321-1670. Twitter, Zone, Madison. You know what scares me about the Brewers routing? I don't think they're the greatest of teams. I think they're an average team. Last night, ugh, last night, yikes. They got the Cubbies today.
1: And the Cubs are hot. Cubs and the are, Cubs have been hot. The
0: Cubs are red hot. Six fifteen down in Wrigley. Cubbies looking like they're, uh, unfortunately, it pains me to say this. World Series contenders once again. What is with what is going on with the Cubs, dude? They are just
1: balling. Thankfully, the Cubs, obviously the Cubs are the first team in the NL Central, but thankfully they did have a series postponed thanks to the Cardinals. Friggin' Cardinals. Now, bro. did they come back and win two straight against the Indians? Yeah, they did. Now the Indians, their that offense is. Basically non-existent, kind of like the Brewers. Yeah, I was hoping maybe that little three-game break for the Cubs might uh, throw them off, get them out of their routine, but nope. it obviously looked like it hasn't. No, no. So yeah, again, the Brewers, another uphill battle with the Cubs. the The Cubs are playing well. Cubs are hot, dude.
0: The Cubs are the only team in baseball with a winning and again, percentage over six
1: or over seven hundred. It's a four-game series at Wrigley. That's now, that'll be after this series, that'll be seven games played against the Cubs this year, seven games all at rig.
0: Well, yeah, the Brewers, the Brewers only get the Cubs for one series at home in Miller Park.
1: And that's not until
0: a weekend in September. And the Brewers aren't doing too hot at Miller Park either.
1: And I was going to say my birthday weekend, but I knew you'd call me out for referencing my birthday. Hey,
0: happy, happy early birthday, Rowdy. (laughs) You're, you're, you you always say that you don't like you know bringing attention to your birthday. That's why I wasn't gonna but bring you, it up. You're like you're like the the, the girls on Instagram.
1: Oh jeez.
0: That I don't know what I don't know what some of these girls did before Instagram on their birthday, but my God, if you've ever seen if you ever follow anyone on Instagram and they happen to be a female and they love themselves some Instagram, my God, they remind you every single time in their story that it's their birthday. I'm I'm just giving you crap, Roddy. You're not like that. But the Brewers sitting at seven and nine, Whew. two and six at Miller Park. Five and three on the road, though.
1: If we're trying to look at the glass half full, we got to look at the Brewers. Obviously, haven't been at full strength with Christian Yelich struggling so mightily, being the best player and the best hitter. Ryan Braun's, Ryan Braun's, back. Braun's not basically been in the lineup, and when he has been in the lineup, outside of what that that first game where he had or that first pirates game where he had that big hit mm-hmm. for that comeback has been non-existent. Your captain and Lorenzo Cain opted out. There's been a a few injuries in that pitching rotation where guys have uh had to leave early or haven't been available. Yeah. So it's it's not like everything has been uh turning at 100% for the Brewers and and if you look at it, they really have played some tough teams. They have. On their schedule, three with the Cubs. Obviously... The Twins are just mashers. You had four with the White Sox. The White Sox are also a team above five hundred playing well. Well, that's basically Team Cuba. You had three with Minnesota, which you mentioned is the best offensive team in baseball right now. They're good. Three more with Cincinnati, who's about a five hundred team and has a lot of potential. Cincinnati's got a lot of bats. The only time you really had a... Easy, uh, an easy three-game series was Pittsburgh, and then right after those first six games, you were dealt the uh, another pause in your in your season due to the Cardinals and COVID.
0: Freaking Cardinals,
1: man! And yes. and it's not going to get any easier. You got four games with Chicago, and then you go three games at Minnesota. Hey. Hey. The, the <laughs> Brewers got to continue to tread this uh, tread water here until they can get to late August. Because then it gets much easier with yeah, by a lot that, of Pirates. By that
0: time, though, it's done and over. It's a lot gone. of Tigers. You don't have time. Indians, to, there's no time to wait around. Royals. There's no time to wait around. They're doomed. They're not. I can. The Cubs are the only team. There's no other team in the majors that has a winning percentage in the 700s. The Cubs' winning percentage is 800. The Marlins, who lead the way in the NL East, believe it or not, 667. Rockies, six sixty-seven in the west. In the AL, the Yankees, six sixty-seven in the east. The twins, six thirty-two in the central. The West of the AL, six eighty-four. And the Cubbies sit in the NL Central winning percent of eight hundred at twelve and three. They're beasting. It pains me to say that, but it is what it is.
1: <laughs> they gotta they gotta continue to tread water until late August. Come on, crew. it Let's go, they, surprise, they, let's go surprise. Let's go shock really the world. If they really start to lose some of these series, they could snowball quickly.
0: Hopefully, not like that second inning last night. Do you remember there used to be these things called um, Badger tailgates? It was in the in the before time.
1: There Is was it before a, time or better time?
0: Both. It's the before, interchangeable. Yeah, before time, better time. It's it's interchangeable. I don't know if you guys, some of you out there know what this is, but we used to congregate. We also used to get together on a street, a Regent Street it was called. And there was a lot of bars on this street called Regent Street. And you could...
1: And they didn't have boards.
0: No. yeah,
1: They weren't boarded up. They weren't
0: boarded up. The windows were fine. They weren't smashed. You could find thousands, thousands of untold amounts of people down there. You could high five. You could hug. You could share drinks if you want. You could cheers people. Um... Your 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 face was open to the elements. So I know a bizarre thing to do. In the before and the better time, was a thing called tailgating. Uh, I'm gonna miss that, Rowdy. Yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember it though. It seems like something so distant, so past. Well, that was a good time, wasn't it? What are we gonna do?
1: Feels like so long ago, but really it was just about a calendar year.
0: Yeah, I'm still the five stages of the grief. I um. I'm. I think I teeter between anger, which is the second stage. I think I'm still in anger, but I tweet There's no bargaining. What are you going to bargain with? What are you going to? Are we going to bargain with? I don't know. Like, I saw the Florida governor say, "Hey, if you want to come play sports, come down to Florida." Could we bargain with the Don Barry Alvarez and say, "Hey, get a get a list, get a sheet out, and say if you want to get on this plane and go to Florida, sign up, and we'll uh, go play some football."
1: Like that's bargaining, I guess. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing. I don't yeah. think that's a realistic uh, answer.
0: I think Scott Frost was bargaining, and Nebraska—they were bargaining, saying, "Well, we want—we're ready to go. We want to play elsewhere." Then, and then Kevin Warren, the Big Ten Commission, said, "I mean, you can do that, but you're not going to be part of the Big Ten anymore." Then.
1: No, oh, did you see that Ohio State?
0: Are they bargaining? and Coach
1: Day and some of the players were talking about? Uh, they were looking at their options. Are they and in the I bargaining think- stage? I think they're in a questioning stage, yeah. I don't know if that where that falls under the uh five stages of grief, but uh yeah, coach Day and, and some of the players, he put out some statements saying that they were exploring some of the same ideas that Nebraska was. But could you Would you fault them if they did? Would you be mad at them if they were
0: if they basically turned their back on the Big 10, gave them the two middle fingers and said we're playing? I mean, some
1: some people say that Ohio State would never leave or it wouldn't be a huge loss if Ohio State or or some of these teams left. I don't know. Really, I am I don't not really agree I'm with that. I'm not in that under that belief either. Ohio State was like the fourth highest grossing college football program in the country. If you lose that from any conference, that's substantial.
0: that's yeah, pretty big, dude. It's pretty big.
1: And we looked at we looked at yesterday some of the top grossing Big Ten schools. In theory, if Ohio State and Nebraska were like, screw it, we're leaving, that takes away the second and the fourth highest-grossing Big Ten football teams out of your conference. That takes away a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
1: Ohio State made over like $115 million. Yeah, they make a lot of money. And they were the ones that came out right away saying... This is what's going to happen. This is how much money we're going to lose if this season doesn't take place or we lose fans. Remember they were one of the first schools to come out and say we're going to lose 5 million dollars a game for not having fans in the stands.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> there's there's kind of a small part of me that kind of wants to see Ohio State and Nebraska do it. Do it. Same. Just to see, see what, what it, it does. does.
0: I, 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 part of me wants to see him do it too and just see what happens. See how it all unfolds. SEC going to, the big 12 came out yesterday and said, (laughs) canceling the season. Couldn't be us. We're going all in baby.
1: Big 12 said they're doing it. Do you think you could see the SEC welcoming an Ohio state with open, like open arms? Like, yes. Kind of like the Dr. Evil.
0: Come to me. (laughs) I, I love you. I, you complete me. I love you. I don't know. Could you? You see the Big Ten shaking in there. What, what do you think well, is going to happen?
1: Well, what does is the SEC claim? That they are the, the, They're, the premier, They're the Primo Conference. Why would you not entertain having a team like Ohio State join it? Who is the Big Ten representative almost every Ohio single State. year in the college football playoff when the Big Ten qualifies outside of one year with Michigan State? Who, the Ohio State. Who has been to all the national championship games in the past 20 years? The Ohio State. And obviously we can say the same thing about Big Ten champions. Who has been the majority of Big Ten champions year in and year out? It's Ohio State. Why would you not, if you are at the conference, the premier conference with the best football, why would you not want to welcome in a top program into the greatest conference ever?
0: The greatest conference ever, the SEC.
1: And then they could just brag about how they're even better now, and how they're so good that a team like Ohio State wanted to leave their crappy conference to join theirs.
0: Would you would you fault would you fault them? Would you fault Nebraska for trying? Nebraska and Ohio State, Iowa are like, yo, we want to play the, the SEC. Well, it's more Nebraska and Ohio and Iowa being vocal about it. Like,
1: we want to play. When the SEC realigned, man, it's probably years ago now, but. When they took on Texas A&M and Se er, and uh, Missouri from the Big Twelve, yeah, I would much rather have Nebraska and Ohio State than Texas A&M and Missouri. Well, <laughs> yeah. like, what do you think of when you think of Missouri football? The only thing I ever think of, of them being good is like the Chase Daniel Jeremy Macklin years, <laughs> which was like three years. Nice two pull. years.
0: Chase Dan. Yeah, that was a while ago, Brody. Like,
1: What do you think of with, I mean, obviously Texas A&M was, is a better program in general, but you think of the, the Johnny Manziel years, obviously they have more of a, a history than Missouri does, but look at Nebraska and Ohio state, Ohio state's a premier team in the country and Nebraska has the tradition that they still live on. Now, is it an old kind of tiresome tradition? Yeah, but it still brings it's still in money. still tradition.
0: Did you see – God, I forgot who it was on – was it ESPN? It was a uh, former football player. The
1: if, his name? if I'm Ohio State, Nebraska, and I can get decently good deals where you, know, where you might not get 100% of the money you would in the first year of joining a new conference, but it was like a reasonable offer, God. and you knew that you were going to lose $100 million or potentially more – it sounds like Ohio State could lose up to 115,
0: 120. Oh, yeah, they're set to lose an insane amount.
1: Now, if you could get a decent deal where you're even going to make 40, but then you're joining this other conference, and then in the next few years you would obviously go back to what you kind of made, I would really have to consider it.
0: There it is. I got it. All right, Rowdy, what do you think of this? Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard was on yesterday uh, on uh, whatever national show he's on. And he went out to say that Scott Frost and Nebraska need to come out and publicly apologize for saying that they wanted to explore their options and play and possibly play elsewhere, that they need to apologize publicly, Scott Frost does, to the Big Ten. Why would you be calling for a head coach whose main job is to get – it is his job – to get these kids ready to play football. His job is to have these kids play football. Why would you be mad and make a guy whose job is to do what he's trying to do, play football? Why would you be mad at him and make him publicly apologize for doing his job? Would you rather lose, like, would you rather lose 100 or more million dollars or find a way to have money coming in? to your program, to your university, to your local economy. Would you make someone publicly apologize for trying to show their kids that he's trying to get a season for them when they all publicly express that they want to play?
1: I mean, it couldn't be me.
0: Wouldn't be me? I would would want an apology if someone was actively trying not to do it. I'd say you apologize. You go apologize to those kids. You go apologize to your athletic department. You go you go door-to-door to every single business that is benefits from a football season. And apologize for them for actively trying to lay down and let people walk all over you. That's what I'd do. That's what I'd say. You go apologize for that.
1: Yeah. you Scott Frost is a football coach. His job is to coach a football team. Mm-hmm. He wants to do his job. The players believe it or not, are there to play football, most of them. And they not go to school. Didn't
0: they express that they wanted to play?
1: And, yeah, the majority of them wanted to play. I I don't know what, if they want to go out and pursue this, I don't know why they should have to apologize for saying that.
0: Yeah, there was, I sent you that video last night of a coach making a plea to let his kids play. And I wanted to play it and get your reaction on it. It's minute 30. So give her a listen and uh then tell me your reaction. This is a this is a coach for a football team who is uh expressing of why he wants his team to play.
4: When I when I hear things like it's not worth the risk, first of all, uh, as a coach, I've been I have had the opportunity to watch this football team at, at Bedford prepare for this year. And we told them, you know, if you wear your mask, you social distance at meetings, You know split your time in the weight room they've done all those things we said if you follow these protocols you will have the opportunity to play to now come back to them and say you've done everything right but you know what we we still don't have the the will to let that happen and i think back to those words it's not worth the risk we know most of us up here have either played or been a part of athletics we understand that there's inherent risk to what we do that's why there's an ambulance that sits out by the football fields on friday night we know that there is risk But always that risk-benefit-reward ratio has always been left up to the families to determine, is this worth the physical risk? Well, I don't see any difference in that now. And quite frankly, the governor has himself said when he was out in a protest in the streets of Harrisburg, he said when asked, did you follow your own protocols? He goes, no, I didn't because I felt the cause was worth the risk. Well, we cannot just allow one person in Pennsylvania to to discern for everyone which causes are worth the risk and which are not. That decision needs to be left up to parents, and it needs to be left up to families. Is it worth the risk? I believe that in my case it is. Maybe some other people don't. But at the end of the day, if we're going to leave that decision only up to one person, then we have a problem that's far greater than COVID-19.
1: What do you think? Did you say he was a Pennsylvania coach or a Patriot coach? <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know if I misheard you. Or gotcha.
0: not. Yeah, Pennsylvania. He's a coach of Pennsylvania. <clears throat> That's the thing, you know. It's like, um, like in for Wisconsin's case, you know, it's social distance, you wear the mask, you do everything that we've put in place for you to do, and we'll have a season. Well, they did that. There or was in in intakes. There was a. It was all fallout. out all. All fall student-athletes. And it was a very small number of positive COVID-19 tests that are asymptomatic. I don't even think they knew that they had it until they came to the the, uh, campus and got tested. And we never really heard of any more tests breaking out on campus because they were following the protocols that the conference and the coaching staff put in place. They did everything that they were asked to do to have a football season. Yeah, I just think and now they don't have a football season.
1: The biggest takeaway for me from that speech, or one of them, has to be where he calls out the was it the governor?
0: Yeah, who didn't follow who, his own protocol? Yeah,
1: that's a tough scene. When you can, when you go out and tell people what they can and cannot do, but then you're out there on the streets without a mask on, doing whatever you want, it's not a good look.
0: That's when you do the do as I say, not as I do, you You lose
1: all credibility and respect.
0: All right, rowdy with the doomsday scenario. Graham Mertz transfers.
1: Say it again, real quick. I mean, is could he transfer? Would he not start until he's 21, 22? Who knows? Eesh. Eesh. Uh,
0: by the way, Charlie just called in. He said he's uh, doesn't have any pants on, and he's watching Dennis the Menace while drinking Ice House. I don't know why he uh, felt the need to call us and tell us that. Yeah, and be
1: thankful we didn't put him on air.
0: Yeah, I got it right before we came back on. But speaking of
1: your intro music, that's Kanye. I find
0: you going, you voting Kanye I, 2020?
1: No, I, uh, find it, birthday, I find the birthday it, party. I find it weird. You have all these. Beats that I would say, yeah, they're pretty decent, but yeah. then I would say they're also the game. But you'll you'll say, no, it's Kanye, no, it's 50 Cent, but then the two in common are, they're both the game.
0: Well, Kanye made that beat, Dreams, featuring game, and 50 Cent is the reason why you know who the game is because he brought him up and uh, had him initially in G-Unit. But I think you need to connect the dots on
1: how they're connected. It's the game.
0: Well, there is no game if there's no 50, and there is no game if... Having big hits if there's no Kanye, so the game should be thanking Kanye and Fifty. See how that works? I know he's I, the, he's, I know my history, Rowdy. I was—I was in late middle, early high school when all this was happening. I was very enthralled with music then. I still am, but very, very enthralled with it. So you better be—you better tweet Fifty Cent right now and say thank you for discovering the game and bringing him up. Because if well, without Fifty, you don't have the game, as you proclaim. The game is harder and better than Fifty Cent. Yes. And there, I I but would But there is no game if I there's no 50 cent. I would
1: put all the money in the world that he else he also could throw a better first pitch.
0: I I would definitely <laughs> put money all the money in the world that the game could throw a better first pitch as well. This has been like a long
1: standing debate Ooh. we've had.
0: And then if you look at uh if you look at Twitch right now, Mitch says if you listen to the game, his bleep is whack for the most part and Ebo is right. So there you go. Thank you Mitch. Appreciate that. All right, 608, Wait, now 16, said 70. Nelson
1: is right about that. Nelly, I mean, uh, Mitch, what was Nelson right about? Everything. Dude, <laughs> no, 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 no. This how do you think this is our longest standing debate that we've had back and forth since like 17? 50 cent versus the game? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, when it comes to commercial success, the 50 cent blows the game out of the water. I do enjoy the game though, don't get me wrong. I just I'm a fifty cent kind of guy. <laughs> I remember when uh, In the Club first dropped. I was a freshman in high school, (laughs) and it was lit, dude. It was wild. I'm like, who is this guy, 50 Cent? He got shot eight times, and he's alive? Dude. (laughs) Let me go buy that album from Best Buy. Maybe Sam Goody. (laughs) FYE. Now, now,
1: Mitch's comment here, talking about how his music is whack, I'm going to say, yeah, some of the albums, but... A couple of the the albums are good. I'm not going on on full work. Just just his best.
0: Nelson's only a Nelson's not an album guy. The album the albums Nelson owns are are greatest hits. Nelson is a singles kind of guy.
1: He <laughs> likes the hits. He doesn't like the deep cuts. Yeah, best albums are the greatest hit version. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong in the in a, in
0: a sort of sense right there.
1: I'm trying to think. What are is it West Side Story? That's oh, no, a, that's a yeah, album documentary.
0: There's. Yes, for the game?
1: Yeah, the documentary, that's what it was.
0: The game's first three albums are pretty bomb, and then they kind of fall off, but that, Doctors that's Advocate, the same for 50 cents.
1: Doctor's Advocate and the documentary and LAX. There's probably, probably a the
0: bunch th- of like older guys listening around now like, what in the hell are you guys talking about?
1: Yes, those are the three that I'll say were good. The documentary, Devils, a- or Doctor's Advocate, and LAX. The rest of his stuff, irrelevant. <laughs> Are you going to get a tattoo on your face like the game is? The
0: big L.A. on it? You I don't do know. The big, will you get the big Motion W tattoo to blow your, your right eye?
1: I don't know if you would believe this or not, but I'm not much of a uh, face or neck tattoo guy.
0: Well, you don't have any tattoos, do you?
1: <laughs> that would be correct. Yeah, I'm neither, just not really a tattoo guy in general. I don't
0: have any either. I've been looking for an artist. If anyone out there knows a really good artist, I am in the market of getting one. I'm, I'm designing it right now. It's almost done. I just need someone to put it on my body. It's 2020. I'm growing my Nelson. I'm growing my hair out. I'm gonna get a full sleeve tattoo. I'm I'm out getting stoned in the woods, running around. I'm a woodsman now. I kind of have been a while. And when I say stoned, I mean I'm like taking stones and I'm building a hut out of it. I'm uh, 2020, Nelly. Don't matter no more. Yeah, you, can what, you can do whatever you want. You're now.
1: venturing out. I'm just gonna stick to my guns. I'm
0: I'm, I'm becoming fringe. I'm like fringe society now. The only thing that's keeping me around is uh, paying my mortgage. Other than that, I'd move out to the woods. You'd never hear from me again. I'd go live in my little stone hut, listening to 50 Cent somehow and running around. How about that? All right, Rowdy, we'll come back put some finishing touches on the show. You mu- in the club, 50 Cent? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This was like uh, a <laughs> late elementary, early middle school. Y- yeah. Yes? Had, yeah. Had no idea what anything meant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here you go a little wankster I used to drive around in my Honda Civic Cruising the main street of Dodgeville Bumping some 50 Cent in My V6 probably, I got a lot of living to do before I die You right? ain't got
1: time to waste You were probably the exact kid I hated
0: Yes, I was I,
1: Looking back on it, I thought I was pretty cool But turns out I wasn't You're the guy that when they drive by, everyone else that was out in the yard is just like, that guy is such a douche. God, I hate that kid.
0: I hope he crashes his car and never comes back around. Yeah, that was me sometimes. What's worse? All right. I grew up in a small town. You grew up a little bigger town than Dodgeville, but still, I would... It's not
1: a Madison. It's not a Milwaukee. It's not a suburb. What was
0: worse? The kid that drove around bumping on his stock car stereo system, bumping like 50 cent of the game. Or the kids who would hang out in a gas station parking lot with their pickup truck, being total douchebags. Did you have those in something? The, uh, the kids that hung out in, the, in like a gas station parking lot. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Right say, off of Main Street with, no, with their wasn't, pickup trucks. It, it
1: wouldn't be at gas station parking lots, but it would be like an empty parking lot, you know, wherever. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily at like a local business. Well, the,
0: the reason why in Dodgeville it was, um, it was right off, right on Main Street, right before you got on Main Street. That's where the gas station still is. And they had a pretty big parking lot, and the, the these there was always like the the good old boys, the redneck boys. They would sit there in their two pickup trucks and then go chase people around if they if you gave them a weird eye. Yeah, like or I, you had the kids that were like bumping like the gangster rap, even though they were little nerd Poindexter's cruising around Main Street. You had the two factions. Yes, which one was more annoying?
1: For me, I would go with the the little the crappy annoying. loud cars. Yeah, just because the. That other faction, like I said, it wasn't at main businesses. They didn't they didn't bother me.
0: All right, here we'll take you out with some game. This is here's the game featuring Fifty Cent. We'll bridge the gap. We'll meet in the middle, Rowdy. How's that sound? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Now, if now
1: if the other faction was. Oh, located, here I'll say
0: this when it comes to the factions, the kid, the poindexter bumping the gangster rap, which I may or may not have fell victim to that. Those were the those are the kids I didn't like because the kids hanging on the pickup trucks, they always had the older kids that would buy beer for you, so they go get buy beer for me, so, so I didn't mind
1: them. So my buddy used in the summer used to work for the city. Yeah. He texts me. He goes, the truck boys hung out at Mant Park. I know because I had to clean up their sh. So I think I know which one he's voting for. Uh, No, I didn't have to clean any parks, so it didn't bug me at all. The good old boys
0: in the truck growing up in high school, they always had the older friend that could buy him beer. The little nerds driving around bumping Gangster Rap, which I fell victim to, we didn't have the hookups to get the
3: people to give you the beer, but maybe you had the weed hookup. (laughs)